Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hi, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Dream Bigger podcast. I'm your host, Sif, and I'm the founder of Icing and Glitter, which is a blog, Instagram page, and YouTube channel. Before I introduce you to today's guest, I wanted to announce something super exciting. If you guys are on Instagram, you may have heard the word preset. So, a preset is basically a custom filter which you can create on Lightroom and use on your pictures. Basically, instead of using a filter from editing apps like Visco or Instagram itself, you use a preset. Presets have become super popular because they really allow you to bring your Instagram game to a whole new level. I've been using my own presets to edit pictures for over a year now and get a ton of questions about them. So I've decided to give away a preset to everyone who subscribes to and reviews the podcast. Just send me a screenshot to sifat.h91 at gmail.com. Guys, your reviews are super important because they're what indicate to iTunes that you're enjoying the podcast and help me get amazing guests that bring you a lot of value. So if you have a moment and like tuning into the Dream Bigger podcast, I would so appreciate if you left me a review. Today's guest is my dear friend and go-to for every and any health problem under the sun, Natalie Mulligan. Natalie is one of the most talented naturopathic doctors I've had the pleasure of meeting and is basically the supplement whisperer. She also specializes in eating disorders, which we touch on in today's interview. In today's episode, Natalie and I discuss supplements, hormones, addressing the root cause of illnesses, birth control, adaptogens, and so much more. So with that, let's welcome Natalie Mulligan. Okay, Natalie, tell everyone about your background. How did you get into naturopathic medicine? Uh, well, the honest story is actually not a great story. Um, I know this one. <laughs> um, so I was dating somebody in university who wanted to go to medical school. And when I was in university, I mostly just wanted to party and have fun. And I, like, I took school a little bit seriously, but not that seriously. The difference. Um, yes. Um, and I was like, you know, I really need to think about what I want to do with my life because I think I'm going to marry this guy, which no. Um, but if I'm going to marry a doctor, I need to do something like equal. Oh, like Elle Woods from Legally Blonde. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that is so embarrassing. I like very tough um, So I basically just went through all of the different professions that you go to professional school for. So like dentistry, medicine, chiropractic, physio, um, and taught myself about them. And at that time I was doing a lot of yoga, brand new yoga studio had opened and one of the instructors was talking about naturopathic medicine. So that was actually my first exposure. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like two weeks later, I went to a intro, learn about CCNM, which is our school. Mm-hmm. Um, was like, oh my gosh, I have all the prerequisites. I like this, sign me up. And I started that in September. It was like a very impulsive. Like very quick. Yeah, I've never even seen a naturopath. Like it was oh. so, the, the <laughs> fact that it like worked out for me is um, very, I don't know, serendipitous or something because yeah. it probably shouldn't have worked out for how uh, 
irresponsible I was with the decision. You never know. Like sometimes these things fall into your lap yeah. and then it just like works out that way. Like it's just, I think it's just such a funny story. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Cause like you're so good at what you do now. Like who would have known? <laughs> yeah. Who would have known? I know. I really made it work for me. I think for the yeah. session, but yeah. And so for someone who has no idea, what's the difference between a naturopathic doctor and an allopathic doctor? Um, okay. So in Ontario, it's a little bit of a different answer depending on where you are. Mm-hmm. So in Ontario, um, the main difference is a naturopathic doctor can't prescribe medication and a medical doctor or an allopathic doctor can. Mm-hmm. The other major difference is allopathic medicine tem- tends to be symptom-based or um, reactive in nature mm-hmm. and naturopathic medicine tends to be cause-based mm-hmm. and proactive in nature. So you would go to a doctor if you're having headaches and they would say, here's the medication for your headaches to go away. Mm-hmm. You go to a naturopath and they would say, why are you having these headaches? And then tackle the why. Okay. So it's like a proactive versus reactive approach, but there's like a time and a place for both. Of course. Yeah. I mean, I would say, what, what is it like a- acute? Yeah. yeah. I usually say like red flag is for a medical doctor. Yeah. Um, yellow flag, which is like annoying things that you're living with. That's mm-hmm. like really, really where naturopaths shine. Okay, cool. And what's the difference between homeopathy and, am I saying that right? Yeah, homeopathy. Yeah, yeah homeopathy yeah. and naturopathy. Um, so homeopathy is a modality of naturopathic medicine. So mm-hmm. we learn that in school. And it, honestly, it's a very like hit or miss. I would say like less than 50% of naturopaths when I just think of attendance in my classes. Like mm-hmm. I didn't ever go to homeopathy class and neither did really anyone. So what is it? Um, it's an energetic medicine. I'm going to answer. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, I, so like I would say like a very, very small percentage of naturopaths use homeopathy. Yeah. And if a pure homeopath just goes to homeopathy school. So they graduate from high school um, and then they can go right into homeopathy. Okay, so it's like like, super specialized. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, And then a naturopath does their four years of undergrad, and then they go to naturopathic school, and it's a much more rigorous, much more intense program, and homeopathy is a component, but my whole point was that not a lot of naturopaths actually use homeopathy. Mm -hmm. So homeopathy as a a system um, is an energy-based medicine, Mm -hmm. so this is kind of why doctors like hate on it a little bit is if you actually take a homeopathic remedy and measure it there's nothing active in the substance it's a sugar pill um, and it's the principle is that the energy of the substance is is within it so it's an energetic medicine what yeah no, it's like very confusing and because i don't practice homeopathy i'm conscious of like every naturopath who's ever going to hear me say this and be like you're an idiot yeah um but so like for an example yeah, yeah. give me an example yeah, i need to an example. <laughs> For um, a bee sting would be bee sting. So the premise is like like cures like. So they would take um, the substance that's in the stinger of a bee, mm-hmm. uh, dilute it, and then dilute it again, and then again and again and again and again, like a hundred thousand times, yeah. until there's actually nothing left. It's just water, mm-hmm. but the energy of the essence of whatever they diluted would right. be there in theory. Okay. Okay. And like that's okay. I okay. That's, I, I, yeah. yeah. Okay. I get it now. Um, so you specialize in eating disorders. I do. Okay. So I wanted to ask your opinion on how to find balance between being too healthy and not healthy at all. Okay. Um, yeah, it's such a hard question to answer. I could talk about this all day because the, um, often the pursuit of extreme health ironically becomes completely unhealthy 
that's yeah orthorexia yeah Yeah, orthorexia but you can like so that's like an extreme example with food Mm -hmm. but it also depends on like what's your what's your personal definition of health because if your personal definition of health is um having like 100 out of 100 nutrition and making sure your like body is your instrument you're sleeping well you Mm -hmm. have all your nutrient levels are adequate like your hormone hormones are perfect and that's your only measure of health, then um, you could pursue that in one way and it could be healthy for you. But if you're like me, my version of health is like, how am I doing my relationships? How am I doing in my relationship with myself? Um, how are my emotions? Are they regulated? How's my body feeling? Like my body's a part of it, but my health is so much more than my body alone. Yeah, of course. And so everyone's individual definition of health will be their own mm-hmm. um so th- the answer to the question of like how do i know what's healthy for example for you versus unhealthy for you lies in me knowing you and understanding you mm-hmm. and so i think i think the answer to that question is like how do you know is that you have to be so tuned into yourself of what actually matters to you as a human being mm-hmm. and um, making sure you're tackling all of that with the same amount of intensity does that make sense it does but like for example if someone is like getting obsessive so we're talking in the realm of eating disorders yes okay so yeah orthorexia by definition is um an unhealthy relationship with food where you become consumed with needing to feel fuel your body with only the most healthy the most clean um foods and what happens is over time it becomes more and more and more and more restrictive because you can go on the internet and find anything about anything that you're eating you could find a million um, cases for support for a high fat diet you could find that for a high carb diet you could find it for a no carb diet you could find it for like literally Mm -hmm, anything mm -hmm. um and so when somebody develops an unhealthy fixation on um clean eating and what they tend to do is it becomes obsessive so they're like all of their free time is spent thinking about it and researching about it and they're coming across more and more and more and more information than you would naturally stumble on Mm -hmm. um and then their diet is becoming more and more and more restrictive and the the irony is that in the pursuit of this extreme health they've become unhealthy they're in this like nutritionally they're often very very um underweight and they're often mentally also very unhealthy because they've become obsessive with this and the rest of their life has kind of fallen to the wayside and so in this case like this is someone who would be unhealthy both physically but also just on a human level Mm -hmm. so if someone is suffering from an eating disorder and wants to get better like what's a good place to start um that's a hard question so I think the very first place to start is to recognize that you have an eating disorder. I think part of the reason why eating disorders are so challenging to work with, um, like amongst health professionals, they would say that, is because so many people who are suffering don't actually relate to themselves like they're suffering Mm -hmm. from eating disorders. So one is just like the awareness that what you're doing with food and your relationship with your body has crossed into disordered territory. And so once you're in that place, the first thing to do is find a person or team of people who understand eating disorders Mm -hmm. like deeply because um it is not a you know relatable run-of-the-mill normal human experience and if you go see a therapist or a nutritionist or a doctor um who doesn't understand eating disorders well like they it it will just be a swing and a miss across the entire treatment right you have to really understand it i bet um and if, for example, you suspect that someone you love has an eating disorder, how do you approach that? Like so delicately. And I mean, this happens in my life. I like the, I specialize in eating disorders and have 
I'm a bit of like a magnet for eating disorders mm-hmm. in my life. Like I, if I look back at my personal life, there's just been eating disorders everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I struggle with that. Knowing what I know, when I have a friend who I suspect is in some kind of trouble, mm-hmm. I don't even know what to do. And this really? is what I do for a living. Yeah. Um, because I mean, I think the honest answer is to always approach it honestly. And, um, the honest answer is to approach it honestly. The best answer is to approach it honestly with a lot of love, um, Mm -hmm. no judgment. Mm -hmm. And then I think it's understanding that you have, um, you have some level of influence, but you kind of have no influence at the same time. Right. So it's it's hard, but I, I do think at the end of the day, you have to say, Hey, like what you're doing concerns me. I feel like it's gotten a little out of control Mm -hmm. and you know. Yeah, it's, it's a tough situation to be in. It is. So what does a session look like with you? Like, what are the kind of healing modalities you use to treat your patients? Um, okay, so as a naturopath, like what I've always gravitated to, I use botanical medicines a lot, so that's herbs. Mm-hmm. And herbs can come in the form of liquids, which are tinctures that mm-hmm. taste like potion, or taste like poison, um, or capsules. Mm-hmm. So that's like a little bit easier to take. Yeah. So I use that a lot. I also use nutrition, mm-hmm. obviously. Yeah. Um, both from like the food point of view, but also from the supplements point of view. Right. So you, that's like, those are two sorts of different branches of nutrition. Mm-hmm. Um, I do a lot of lifestyle counseling, which looks like counseling on like a therapeutic level, but also lifestyle counseling on, um, habits and, um, the ways you're living your life and helping to shape those to be a little bit more healthy. So I use all of those together most of the time. Yeah. Um, things I sometimes used to be acupuncture or traditional Chinese medicine if I have time um, or if they're like the rest of the work has kind of calmed down and now we're just into this more maintenance phase that's when I would more lean on things like acupuncture but yeah so usually nutrition botanicals lifestyle counseling plus or minus acupuncture so what's like the first step like someone comes to you what does the first consultation look like so um, it's usually like 60 to 90 minutes long and this is the case for an eating disorder patient mm-hmm. which is like 95 percent of my patients so we would they would come in we'd sit down I'll tell them about my background um, and then the, the first session is getting a ton of information about their eating disorder so I think part of my power as a professional is um, learning eating disorder as if it's like my own and mm-hmm because every single person's experience is so different. So I need to ask so many questions and get to know your eating disorder and the way it shows up in your life and the way it talks to you and the way it makes you feel Mm -hmm. so that I can start to anticipate how it's going to be and then also earn the trust of my patients. So like the first 90 minutes, we basically go through a very, very thorough history of eating disorder. Um, And then if I have time, I'll either do this in the first visit or the next one. We have to touch on all the things that eating disorders impact. So digestion is a big one. Um, Social support is a big one. Sleep, anxiety, depression. We have to go through all of those in in detail as well. And then um, if I'm their only person they're working with, which I tend to work in a team, we, we just start like literally baby step one. So where I meet them is step zero. Recovery is like step one million. And we just literally take step one. And step one is dependent on who the person is, where they're at in the recovery. And it's totally customized and individualized. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to say like what I do with them because I do so, something different with every yeah. single person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What made you decide to get into this field like specifically? So um, I kind of, I, I fell into it a little bit Similarly, the way I fell into naturopathic medicine, it feels like some, I don't know, something was like helping me get here because it's exactly where I belong. Yeah. Um, so I, when I actually wanted to do neonatal care, I wanted to work with women after they had their baby because I was really interested in that 
psychological transition from mother or woman to mother and like that identity shift. And uh, I also just love babies. So I wanted to work with babies uh, and then I wanted to fire all my patients once they turned one. And I remember telling that to one of my supervisors, and she was like, so first of all, illegal, and second of all, like, unethical. And I was like, wow, guys, I like babies. Um, <laughs> so uh, uh, that was my plan. And then I applied, actually, when I was in school for a focus shift in pediatrics. And for some re- reason that I will never understand, I didn't get it. Like, I, they, they said no to me. Yeah. Um, and again, that's, like, so perfect because I got instead randomly assigned to the mental health shift, which uh-huh. you didn't actually have to apply for. And I got partnered with this amazing naturopath named Dr. Prowski, who really was like influential in shaping me. And so yeah. he specializes in uh, mental health. Yeah. And as a result, all of the patients that were coming to see him at the clinic had mental health issues. Um, mm. So I had exposure to schizophrenia and bipolar disorder and panic disorder and just like really, really intense mental health. And randomly I had all like every patient that ever came in with an mm-hmm. eating disorder ended up paired with me so I had this exposure that was oh my god the universe was like pushing you towards totally. this is crazy yeah like I had 120 people in my class and I swear I had like all of the eating disorder yeah. um, patients it was so bizarre so after working with him and watching the patients and seeing the impact that you get to have on someone's life like mental health is is unique in this way like Mm -hmm. it is something that you live with every minute of every day Mm -hmm. and so watching the impact and watching the progress and the difference you can make in someone's life is just I don't know I think kind of unparalleled in Mm -hmm. healthcare and so I loved it um and then I was good at it like it's it makes sense to me I understand it intimately and so I think if you love something and you're good at it I mean, it's like perfect. It is, yeah. And you just kind of, I think, owe it to the mental health world to, I don't know, do something with it because it's such a it's such a world that's not understood. Yeah, totally. Wow. Yeah, that's how I got there. That's a wild story. Um, Okay, so pivoting a little, I wanted to get into supplements. Yes. So, guys, Natalie and I hang out so much, and I've learned everything about supplements from her. She's been like the best. Um, So, I wanted to touch on this a little bit. So, if you could pick three supplements that Mm -hmm. everyone should be taking, what would you pick? And I know this is a bit of a blanket statement, but no, yeah, but I think there are some. So. I think fish oil has been on that list forever. It's never been bumped. Mm-hmm. So I think fish oil would be one. Um, I think magnesium would be two. And then I, ah, three is hard because it really does depend. So I would say um, either something like zinc or something like L-theanine. Um, yeah. So I can go through them why. So fish oil, I, I think everybody in the whole world should take fish oil for its physical benefits. Mm-hmm. So it's like the probably the most known health product mm-hmm. uh, with the most meta research. So usually for the cardiovascular benefits. So take it for that reason, yes. And it's also really important for your physical brain health. So not mental health, just like the physical, like your brain as a structure. But then it also has really, really powerful mental health impacts like antidepressant qualities and anti-anxiety. So everyone should take it for those reasons. Magnesium, um, it's probably one of my favorites because I work in mental health, but it has similarly important physical impacts. It's involved in 300 enzymes, over 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, which basically means every single thing your body's doing, it's requiring magnesium for. Mm -hmm. And our diets are just usually deficient in magnesium. So 
functioning optimally on a physical level, magnesium is important. It's like fish oil, it has very powerful anti-anxiety effects. Mm -hmm. So it's like really useful for sleep or anxiety, um, like around exams or I don't know if you have to do a public speaker or something like that, like situational anxiety, but also just for like general calm. Mm -hmm. So that's why those two. Um, And then I usually add zinc or L-theanine depending on um, if the presenting concerns are more physical or more emotional. So Mm -hmm. physical would be zinc. It's like magnesium. It's involved in everything. And it's found in like random foods like oysters that Mm -hmm. people are just not eating enough Mm -hmm. in their day. So most people are, not most people, but a lot of people are zinc deficient. Um, So I use that a lot for that reason. And then, or I use L-theanine to complement magnesium's calming effects. So, so that's like L-theanine is more for like mental. Yeah. Yeah. But that's because like, that's everyone I work with. So basically all my patients are taking fish oils, magnesium, and L-theanine. And then anyone I'm seeing for more of the physical side, I would be fish oils, magnesium, and zinc. So if someone is shopping for these supplements, mm-hmm. what should they look out for? Like what... Yeah, like what are the like what what specifically should they look at for like uh, when they're buying magnesium? There's so many different kinds, like different kinds of fish oils. Like what, uh, like what would you advise? Okay, so um, the dose is the most important thing. So it, you can find products that are really reasonably priced and um, I don't know seem compelling, like they have nice packaging or whatever. But if the dose is wrong, it's like the same as not taking it. Um, and this is, we've talked about this before. It's like the equivalent of like licking an ass bill. <laughs> you have to like. favorite <laughs> thing that you've ever told me. <laughs> it's true, right? Like licking an ass bill does not give you the dose that you need. And that would be the same thing. Like if you take fish oil in like one tenth of its dose, like it doesn't, it doesn't work. So what is the right dose? Um, so usually like two grams of fish oil or, so that's, or 2,000 milligrams is a pretty good standard. It would be very hard to find uh brands and like shoppers or Whole Foods or something that have that per capsule, you might Mm -hmm. have to take two. Mm -hmm. Um, That's like a a good benchmark. And then, but then of that 2000 milligrams, there will be all sorts of different components inside. So the two most known are EPA and DHA. But often if you look at a a 1000 milligram capsule, it will say like EPA 400 and DHA 200 milligrams. And like, where's the other 400? Yeah. Interesting, right? And so I, I like to find products that have just EPA and DHA making mm-hmm. up the full the full 1,000 yeah. dose or 2,000, um, and those tend to be professional products. And it's not like the other 400, if my math is right or whatever the math is, it's not like it's going to be made up of garbage. Like, it's going to be some other type of oil. Yeah, yeah but I mean, if you're, if you're going in for that, yeah, then, like, you, you may that. as well. Yes. Yeah, and just to get really specific... What, like, what is EPA? What is DHA? EPA stands for, oh God, I never say this word out loud, eicosapentaenoic acid. God Uh, damn, (laughs) you know your shit, Natalie. (laughs) um, So they are just specific types of omega-3s. Okay. Um, And so, like, from a physical health perspective, uh, you want to have higher levels of DHA. It's also really important when you're uh, in utero, so Mm -hmm. babies developing nervous system requires DHA. When it's a mental health, it's EPA. So mm-hmm. it's often about the ratio between the two um, and making sure the levels of each are high enough. So, but those are the main, like the heavy hitters. It would be the EPA, DHA, making sure they're they're making up the bulk of the like amount of each capsule. Um, that's like the main thing to look out for for fish oil. You can get into like sustainability and environment and where it's sourced and yeah, you know. Is there a specific fish that you should be getting the oil from? Like, does uh, that matter? Not, not like you could talk to so many people and they'll tell you different things. Yeah. Um, 
often you see like anchovies and um, pickerel and like like it's just random yeah I don't really get super caught up in that definitely when supplement companies come and they want to talk about their products they will get mm-hmm. but uh, Dr. Krowski who's like who I learned everything from doesn't really think a lot about that so yeah. I am as long as it, like I like certain brands I know them I trust them and I just go with them yeah and mm-hmm. Also, like, on the topic of fish oil, like, omega-3, omega-6, like, could you shed a little bit of light on the difference and, like, what is important, like, what we should be, you know, like, all things omega-3 and 6, I think, because it's quite quite confusing. It is confusing. So, basically, you're looking for omega-3 for its anti-inflammatory activity and omega-6, omega-9 for its pro-inflammatory. So, the inflammatory reaction is an important reaction in the body, Mm -hmm. but usually when you're taking omega, you're wanting the anti-inflammatory benefits mm-hmm. and so you don't you, you don't need six or nine um, and the diet is uh, often deficient in omega-3s it's not often deficient in omega-6 and 9 so it's just like I don't really know how it became mainstream I, I, lots of things become mainstream and I don't know how but I like I don't I don't know I don't really know why people use them to yeah. be honest so yeah. I, I only use omega-3 I yeah. say no I'm completely away I'm, from six I'm nine. with you as well like because based on my research I'm the same because like our diets are pretty rich in omega-6 yeah. and 9 is like I feel the same way and like yeah. I'm so specific about omega-3 and I've when I was going like when I started looking into like like fish oil and like omega three six nine. I was like, okay, like I should be looking out for an omega three. And like I went to like drugstores and stuff, and I was like, why? Like why are they selling omega three six nine? We yeah. don't need six and nine. Like yeah. it was very strange to me. I know. So yeah, it's just it's an interesting topic. Okay, magnesium. Okay, magnesium. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so um, magnesium. What you again want to look for is dose. So mm-hmm. my like, and I'm not even supposed to say this stuff. I'll say it anyway. Is um my, the dose that I always look for is a hundred. 50 milligrams in a capsule mm-hmm. or a scoop if you're taking powder and I would never dose below 450 unless it's a child mm. that's totally so what's the difference between a capsule like is there like a um, main difference no not really like compliance is the major thing so for compliance purposes if someone cannot swallow a capsule then I would give them the powder but if someone can't handle the taste of the powder then I'd give them the capsule mm-hmm. there's like you will talk to certain people and they'll talk about absorption and all that but like these supplement companies that are professional like they they have done the work to make sure the capsules are not going to be in like in the way of absorbing right they're just not and the stomach your ass uh, your stomach is so acidic that mm. trust me it can like get through a vegetable capsule right and like the, there's different kinds of magnesium right yes you can, yeah so there's like magnesium citrate magnesium threonate bisglycinate oxate like there's so many mm-hmm. um magnesium by itself in nature you won't find it alone it it needs from like biochemistry reasons it needs to be bound to another molecule and so if magnesium oxate needs it's bound to oxygen magnesium mm-hmm. threonate means it's bound to threonine Mm-hmm. I don't know how to use that word in a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, magnesium bisglycinate is bound to the glycinate molecule. So it, that's what that second word means. And it's actually interesting. So interesting. Yeah. yeah, like different ones are more absorbable by the body. Mm-hmm. And that's why um, for different reasons, people will support different different ones. And also this is really important in the weight. So you have to read a label of magnesium and it might say, uh, 300 grams of magnesium and then when it breaks it down it, it will tell you how much is actually elemental magnesium because mm-hmm. the rest of it's like the oxygen or the bisglycinate or whatever thing it has bound to it mm-hmm. so 450 milligrams of magnesium is not the same when you look at different forms does that make sense yeah, yeah no no it does because okay. the, the weight 
yeah, the weight is different for yeah. like each thing that it's bound to. Okay. Exactly. okay, I understand. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. And zinc. Um, same thing as magnesium, just like found in every chemical reaction. That's why you need it. Zinc is one of those things, like when you get zinc uh, as a supplement, it's just zinc. There's nothing else in it. Uh, and this is one of the things where you can actually get it from um, the shoppers brand or the uh, Whole Foods brand mm -hmm. or the Costco brand. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Like zinc is zinc is zinc is zinc. Mm -hmm. Vitamin C is actually the same thing. Like some of these supplements, uh, the, the regulations are getting so tight around natural health products that a lot of the unprofessional brands have really had to step up their game. Mm. So for certain things like zinc, um, it's kind of the same regardless of where you get it from. Okay. So that's interesting. Yeah. So you can really get it from anywhere yes, then and you'll yes, be fine. Yes. And vitamin C is the same you're saying. Yeah. And what's the last one? L-theanine? L-theanine. So L-theanine comes from green tea mm -hmm. and, uh, it's, it's not like the caffeinated part of green tea. It's, right. it's just an extract. Um, and it has just really powerful sedative effects. So it's not sedative in that if you take it in the morning and go to work, you're going to be like falling asleep like you took a gravel, but it's sedative in that it's like sedating of your nervous system to just calm it down. It's and a good thing to take at night then. Definitely. Yeah. Can you combine that with magnesium? Uh -huh. Yeah. So I like for the purposes of dosing with my patients, it becomes really annoying sometimes when you see a naturopath because they'll put you on like 18 things mm -hmm. and then you have to take them at like all sorts of random times throughout the day. Mm -hmm. So I actually, for compliance purposes, try my very best to have one morning dose and one evening dose and just take everything together. So as long as it's not interacting with um, each other, like mm -hmm. competing for absorption or a medication you're taking, there's no reason you can't take them together. Cool. Yeah, and they enhance each other's effects. So L-theanine has a different uh, chemical situation going on yeah. in magnesium so if you take them together they almost synergize that's really uh, so i've not been taking l-theanine but now i now i oh, want yeah. to yeah. I love okay yeah. yeah i gotta i gotta start that okay talk to me a little bit about vitamins so like same question three top vitamins that you would recommend that everyone should be taking oh oh so you said no 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 no, no. same okay. same like it's fine because like i wanted both okay um vitamins so probably b12 why uh, for it's like same as zinc and magnesium because it's like important for everything in your body. Mm -hmm. It's also really important for the energy system. So mm -hmm. energy system is your mitochondria and they just require B12. It's mm -hmm. just, and it's important for, um, any fast dividing cell, which is like your skin cells, your hair cells, your immune cells, they need B12. Ooh, um, yeah, and you just don't feel good. If you have a vitamin B12 deficiency, you just don't feel good. You're like lethargic. So B12, um, probably B6 and it's important to take them separately because if you take a B complex and you read the dosing, the doses are so small. So mm. they're not like microscopic dosing, like essentially useless dosing. They are just not, um, the same as if you took them individually. So that is very interesting. Yeah. So like if you, for example, you can find like a B5 complex or B6 complex and so, or B B3 complex, I guess. So that would have like B5 complex would have a high dose of B5 and then a small dose of the rest of the vitamins. And a B6 Whoa, would have a high dose. That's what complex means. Yeah, it means like all of the B vitamins. Okay. And then the one that it's called, like B6, B12, B5, B3, whatever, B1, is the one that's in the highest dose. So that one is usually at like an appropriate dose, but the rest of them are kind of sub-therapeutic doses. So mm. I think B6 is, is important to take in conjunction with B12. 
and B6 is depleted by a lot of things. It's depleted by medication, it's depleted by birth control. And that's why basically like all females, I mean, not every female is on birth control, obviously, but if you are or have been, like definitely B6. Mm-hmm. What does B6 do? Uh, it's like, it's, it's all of these vitamins are the same. Like they have these same effects. They're just really important for enzymatic reactions in your body. Mm-hmm. So like, for example, the conversion of um, L-tyrosine into, into dopamine it requires an enzyme. I forget what the enzyme's called, but it, mm-hmm. it like converts it. And that enzyme requires things like zinc and magnesium mm-hmm. and maybe B6. And it actually can't do the chemical reaction without those uh, vitamins and minerals present. Mm-hmm. So, you know, sometimes when you hear like B6 has antidepressant effects, it's like, well, maybe not directly, maybe directly, but maybe because of its indirect impact on the synthesis of neurotransmitters. Got it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, okay. And then the third one, um, maybe vitamin C. Mm-hmm. So I would say for it's like antioxidant impact. Um, and for like, you can take vitamin C all year round mm-hmm. for just a general immune boost. Mm-hmm. It's also important for digestion a little bit. It can help you if, if you're someone who's prone to constipation, it can help a little bit with that. Um, it's also like very trendy right now because of its impact on collagen production. So if you like using vitamin C, myself included, me, me, <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I like, I want to get older, but look younger. Oh my uh, gosh. Yes. My I'm like, I'm going to like age myself backwards yeah. is like my, my goal oh, in okay. life. Me too. <laughs> and so vitamin C also for that impact on collagen production. So what is the dosage that someone should look for for um, B12, 6, and C? Okay, so B12, like a safe starter dose would be 1,000 micrograms. You, if you were to do blood tests and then see that you're deficient, you can t- you can very safely go um, higher. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to just take it constantly, 1,000 is usually pretty good. Um, <clears throat> B6, I honestly, like I, I never prescribe it by itself. I always prescribe it as part of a... Um, complex I off the top of my head don't know the dose mm-hmm. I would just say the dose that's in a b6 complex okay do you know what I mean? yeah um and then vitamin c is you can go up and down so if you were to just take like a daily dose all the time like two grams for example would be like a good dose what is that an mg 2000 okay yeah. um but if you got sick you could easily up that to like 10 grams yeah. Really? So you can wow. safely go high with vitamin yeah. C. You just then get into diarrhea territory. So you want to like split the dosing. Right. Um, yeah. So it, vitamin, like the thing about all of these vitamins that I just listed, they are water soluble vitamins, mm-hmm. which means that they don't really have a toxic profile because your body excretes them. Mm. Uh, in contrast to fat soluble vitamins like vitamin A, vitamin D, E and K, those are the four. Um, they can actually be stored in your body. So if you take them in high doses, your tissue stores them and that is dangerous. Okay. And that's why you can have toxicity, whereas the water soluble ones go right through you. So not, you know, you don't want to take such a high dose that it just, you pee it out. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you don't have to worry about. Yeah. It's not going to like harm you. you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. So you just touched very briefly on birth control and I wanted to yeah. go back to that because like, I know we've talked about this and yeah. it's like so overprescribed and I think like people take birth control and they don't even know what it does. So like, yeah. could you explain what it does to your hormones for someone who doesn't know and they're just taking birth control? Yeah. Okay. So first I just will say, um, like intro to hormones for the female reproductive system is there are four hormones. I'll mm-hmm. say them one time, progesterone, estrogen, estrogen, um, luteinizing hormone and follicle stimulating hormone. So those are the four major players and they each have their own individual rhythm over the cycle. So that's the standard 28 day cycle. They'll each peak and then drop off and, um, they all are moving in their own 
rhythm, but the rhythm is coordinated. Mm -hmm. And so when you are first getting your period or after you've um, had a baby or, you know, anytime when your your hormones have fluctuated, it takes a while for those hormones to become in sync with each other Mm -hmm. because they might all be, you know, kind of just on their own little rhythm and then therefore it's not lining up properly. And so one of the times when doctors are quick to prescribe birth control is when someone is new to getting their period mm-hmm. and they're having symptoms like really painful periods or they're having um, acne and the doctor will prescribe birth control, which will completely get rid of those symptoms, but unfortunately doesn't actually address the cause, which is just these hormones being out of balance. Mm-hmm. So um, what birth control does is it essentially overrides your female hormonal system, um, your body no longer needs to produce its own hormones. It completely relies on the hormones that are being given to it in the form of the pill. So you just essentially, your body's not making its own progesterone, estrogen, um, or FSH or LH. And then what happens is when you come off of birth control, uh, your body has to go through that process of regulating its own hormones, which can be time consuming, which can have these really uncomfortable symptoms that initially led you to get on the pill in the first place. Mm-hmm. Represence when you're like middle-aged, well, yeah. not middle-aged, but middle 20s. And like, yeah. nobody wants that. So um, what I would, like what I do in that case is you can, there's so many things you can do. My favorite thing is herbs. Is to take the is to take hers to have them balance your hormone levels naturally mm-hmm. because you don't, you definitely don't want to live with acne you don't want to live with painful periods like yes. these these symptoms are a problem and they do need to be solved but mm-hmm. you can do that with with using your own hormones you don't need to rely on an external source of hormones. So what are some good herbs, for example, that you recommend to like balance out your hormones? I use chase tree almost exclusively. I have tried everything both mm-hmm. on myself and then with my patients. And I would say chase tree is the number one. Um, but I only use chase tree by MediHerb. I don't mm-hmm. use any other brand. Okay. And herbs are not the same as the um, nutrients we were just talking about that are really tightly regulated. There's a lot more wiggle room with mm-hmm. herbs and how they're processed and the part of the plant that's used. And so MediHerb is just like the kind of top of the line herbal company mm-hmm. and I only use theirs for that reason but it's yeah. called Chase Tree mm-hmm. and uh, how much should one be taking and is this like tell me what exactly it combats like for example if I want to get off of birth control yes um and I start Chase Tree like what like what is it doing for me it's how okay so I you should start taking it before you come off mm-hmm. um even though your body is um relying on the birth control hormone it's the it will develop then a level of chase tree in it like in your bloodstream and it will be having the impact on your uh, brain mm-hmm. and on your ovaries even though the birth control is there mm-hmm, that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then when you discontinue the birth control and your body is literally in shambles not knowing where its estrogen and progesterone have gone the the chase tree will directly impact your body's normal release of hormones and then um helping it figure the rhythm of the right amounts of progesterone and estrogen and FSH and LH. Okay, so it helps you basically override any, like, skin issues that you may have and, like, all that kind of stuff? Sort of, yeah, like, indirectly, because the acne that's caused by hormones is hormonal acne, and Mm -hmm. it will regulate the hormones, and then they shouldn't produce hormonal acne. Got it. Yeah. So if someone is going off of birth control, um, what is an alternate form of contraception that you would recommend? So the condoms, for one. So condoms are the only thing that blocks you physically. Like it's a barrier for uh, 
and STIs that are, you know, by touching. Yeah, right. So that, and especially if you don't know the partner or you're not, you know, yeah. you're not in an honest relationship. Mm-hmm. So that's number one. Number two, it would be the IUD. So yes. they have um, both copper and hormonal IUDs. So mm-hmm. the hormonal IUD is slightly better than birth control in that it, the hormones are localized just to your uterus. Mm-hmm. But in um, the, with the copper birth control, copper IUD, they don't use any hormones at all. So the reason it works is copper makes your, it makes your body inhospitable to an embryo. So because the copper Wow, I did there, not know that. Yeah, it changes the pH of your um, uterus, but it also, it's this like physical barrier and the levels of copper that are there in that um, environment aren't conducive to embryonic development okay. so your body just can't support a, a developing embryo um and then the, the minute you get it taken out you would essentially be fertile you don't have to rebalance any hormones like your hormones have been doing their natural mm-hmm. thing it's really smart okay so i wanted to touch a little on hormones what are the different kind of hormones and like what do they do not the female ones because we just went. Oh, okay. I was, yeah. I was like, okay, should I read it? No, no, no. <laughs> like, um, like I'm talking like cortisol, that kind of stuff. Okay, so yeah, your body, like hormones, like in, include everything from um, uh, insulin to thyroid, thyroid hormones, which are called T3 and T4, mm-hmm. to testosterone. Women have testosterone, DHEA, uh, cortisol. Like these are all hormones. So basically, hormones are anything that belong to the endocrine system. Mm-hmm. Um, and the endocrine system is this um, have it, like an inf- infinity loop. Like it's all connected to each other. So your thyroid is not this organ that lives in isolation and um, does its own thing. Like it's directly intertwined with all of your other hormone levels. And all of these hormones, interestingly, are regulated by the pituitary gland and the hypothalamus Mm -hmm. in the brain. Um, And so they all originate from the exact same place Mm -hmm. and um, have their impact on the body from there. So cortisol is like the most trendy hormone, I would say. Like that's the one that everybody talks about and gets tested. So Mm -hmm. is there something you want to know specifically about cortisol? Um, I'll get into that, but like just the different, different ones I wanted to get into first. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, okay. So what's, what's the role that hormones play when it comes to like, for example, like weight loss? Mm -hmm. It's such a, it's like such a complicated question, but essentially like hormones, they, they have, they, I don't know. They, they basically do everything, like everything in your body, the same way a neurotransmitter does everything in your body. They regulate everything. So when it comes to weight loss, if you have, um, the hormones that are mostly at play would be cortisol, but if your cortisol levels are off, like it has a direct impact on your brain's um, perception of fullness, your brain's perception of hunger, um, and your body's ability to lose weight. Like it's just, it's, it's a very complicated process, but it's directly, directly, directly connected. So how do you get tested to find out if like your hormones are okay and whatnot? Uh, usually it's a, so you could, you can do blood tests. Um, but the, the, I guess the gold standard, at least from a naturopathic perspective would be saliva cortisol. So you would do, um, uh, like spit essentially into a tube or a sample and then send it away to the lab and you do that both in the morning and at night. And mm-hmm. you usually do it over the span of three days and just see if your body is having the usual peaks and valleys that you, you should with cortisol levels. So mm-hmm. that's, that's how you get tested. And then if your levels are off, like that is something you want to be very interested in mm-hmm. regulating because of its impact on like every other hormone in your body and your weight and your skin and your mood and all these things. So, um, 
yeah, you then once you discover that you have a cortisol issue, you would work usually with a naturopath to regulate the cortisol issue. So if like if you are like a high stress person, yes. is there something you can do? Is there something you can take to kind of like regulate that? Yeah, so adaptogens are like the I guess the standard for that. So you would take, you could take adaptogens in a liquid form. You could take them in a capsule form. Which ones would you recommend? Um, I like ashwagandha. I like rhodiola. Mm-hmm. I like schisandra. I like, I like, I like leucococcus. I like, I like lots of them. So mm-hmm. the, I'm actually using the Latin words, I think. So ginseng. Um, I, I don't often know a lot of yeah. the, <laughs> the like common names. Um, but basically any product that you find is going to have some combination of ginseng so both panix ginseng and eleutherococcus ginseng mm-hmm. and um it will usually have um withania as a common one which is ashwagandha mm-hmm. like you'll see these words around so they they're all very effective and they're especially effective when you use them together mm-hmm. so uh you're the ones that would be like most tailored to you because they each have more impact than just on cortisol you would have to learn by talking to someone and like you know them understanding the full picture mm-hmm. but yeah, that's what you would take Got it. And I wanted to also get into thyroid health because okay. it's something a lot of women struggle with. So what are, first of all, like the issues that people do suffer from with like when it comes to thyroid health and what can we do to support our thyroid health? Um, so the issues you can have either a hypo or hyper yes. thyroid. So hyperthyroidism is a little bit rare. That's not usually what people are talking about. You're usually talking about hypothyroid, which means that your thyroid is not um, functioning optimally, but it's like not functioning optimally. It's too slow, I guess, Mm. for lack of a better word. Mm -hmm. So that, what does that do? Like the symptoms that it can cause are so, um, wide ranging. So it can have, it can directly impact your mood. So depression is a symptom. It can directly impact your energy. So that could be like extreme fatigue, lethargy. Um, it can impact your hair growth. So you can uh, have a lot of hair loss with thyroid issues or even like eyebrow hair loss. Uh, it can affect your weight. Like it, 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 that's what I mean when I talk about hormones. It's like, what do they do in the body? It's more like, what do they not do in the mm-hmm. body? Like they, everything. They really yeah. do. It's a hard, that was why it was a hard question to answer. But how do you support your thyroid? I mean, I think how you support your thyroid, if you have a thyroid issue, often you'll need to be medicated for a little bit of time or you need to do directly work directly helping the health of your thyroid but otherwise what you need to do like the average joe like do you need to be right now concerned about your thyroid like not not directly Mm -hmm. but you need to be concerned about your thyroid and taking care of your thyroid the way you're taking care of the rest of your body so Mm -hmm. anything that you're going to do that's hard on your body is going to be hard on your adrenals which is hard on your cortisol which is hard on your thyroid like it's you know what I mean it's like a domino effect Mm -hmm. so that's how you help yourself if you don't have like a diagnosed issue is you just actually have to take care of yourself and adrenals because you you mentioned that i did what what is so adrenals are where the adrenals are a gland the Mm -hmm. adrenal gland that sits on top of your kidney Mm -hmm. Uh, and i think in latin so kidney and renal are like that's the word and adrenal is it's on top top of okay yeah i think i'm like my lab um but adrenals are what makes all of the um corticosteroids so that would be epinephrine and norepinephrine Mm -hmm. which is adrenaline and noradrenaline so they are secreted from the adrenal gland Mm -hmm. and cortisol's role is to uh, mitigate that so if you have a spike in adrenaline cortisol brings that down and so so basically that's why if your cortisol is like all over the place then it impacts how your adrenals are functioning it impacts like it impacts your body's ability like to to mitigate the effect of adrenaline okay so like if you're if you have a high stress job and you're constantly in a state of being like somewhat like 
aroused in terms of stress, mm-hmm. um, your body, like it requires cortisol so much to constantly be lowering those levels. And that's why the cortisol system gets exhausted. Like it just becomes depleted. And now you have unopposed adrenaline running through your body. Um, nothing combating those high levels. And that's hard. Like that's when you have, it causes you to go into fight or flight response, which is like fast breathing, fast heart rate. It does mm-hmm. not feel comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So that's what adrenals are and they are directly related to cortisol. So for Adrenal fatigue is, like, so common mm-hmm. nowadays. What should someone do to, like... Well, that's what we were talking about with the cortisol. Same thing. It's the exact same thing. Yeah. They are, like, one and the same. So you want to be taking... Um, um, Ashwagandha. Yeah. Uh, adaptogenic herbs, the word left me. But you also want to be, like, calming down. Like, yeah. you want to be, like, <laughs> meditating and, like, talking to a professional. Like, it's not... It's The answer is definitely not to just take something. The answer is, like... Why are you so stressed? Yeah, spoken yeah. like a true naturopath. Exactly, <laughs> that's the root cause. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. So those are all my questions. But before we wrap, where can everyone find you? Website, oh. um, yeah. social media, all that kind of stuff. Uh, if you want, yeah, is like yeah. not really my jam. Um, my, so how can you find me? I have a website. Mm-hmm. It's drnataliemulligan.com, but mm-hmm. it's drnataliemulligan.com. Yeah, I'll leave it in the show notes so people can find you. Awesome. Thanks, Natalie. Thanks.